All right, this is episode number seven of the Bearded Marketers. I'm Rob. And I'm Corey. And tonight we're going to be talking about plan pricing and pricing strategies for uh, software as a service vendors. Oh, yeah. And uh, also taking a look at diving into the data, test interpretation, um, and some of the things to be weary of uh, when you are diving into the stats, so to say. Yeah, and I think we're going to wrap it up with um, using scary words in your copy, be it ads, headlines, text, mm-hmm. um, anything. So what are you drinking tonight, Corey? Oh, uh, tonight, returning back to glory days, just straight scotch, no ice, no water. That's right, folks, just straight <laughs> scotch. And uh, McClellan 12-year, I believe, is what we're drinking tonight. Okay. So. I can see your beard yourself? growing right now. Yes. Um, I'm I'm also going to a tried and true, um, just a Moscow Mule. Oh, always delish. Oh, yeah. Um, but, uh, all right, so let's kick it off tonight. Um, you were talking to me earlier about uh, an interesting price test that you had run um, with a company that I thought yielded some worthwhile results to to kind of talk about yeah absolutely so you know i don't want to mention specifics um either industry really or the name of the company but suffice to say they were a software as a service provider Mm -hmm. um which had actually a surprising number of plans different leveled plans obviously um different tiers for different kinds of companies that they work with with different pricings for each and if you got to their pricing page itself there were probably i don't know 10 different plans roughly Mm -hmm. columned out with... So did your eyes immediately cross when the page loaded? <laughs> right. So you're like looking at an Excel spreadsheet when you get to the pricing page. Right. And and probably get your ruler out and put it up to the monitor and make sure I'm going <laughs> line by line. <laughs> yeah, probably like thirty rows to go with it gotcha. too. So oh, just completely overwhelming. Mm-hmm. So just a simple test we wanted to run on this. Like let's take the ten or so columns that they had and let's just make it like three. Okay. So let's let's get the one that we want everyone to sign up for. We'll highlight that one, mm-hmm. um, bring some attention to that column, and then have two additional ones that sort of Bridge make the gaps. first one seem like a good deal. Ah, okay. Right. Yeah. So we take we take the rest of the pricing plans too, and we actually put them beneath this primary um, pricing matrix mm-hmm. um, in sort of like a secondary position. So okay. that's the test. Let's run the original versus that. Basically, just chop off a bunch of the pricing plan options. Mm-hmm. So spun this up just in content experiments in Google. Right. Pretty immediately, like 140% increase in conversion. Boom. So boom, just mm-hmm. easy, just pull it up in Dreamweaver, delete half the page. Right. 140% increase nice. in conversion. And I think that's held uh, for at least a week or so. Okay. Um, I think we're approaching confidence statistical confidence right. at this point. So just, you know, again, in the sort of back to basics segment, just an example of something simple you can do, just a reminder of simple things. Mm-hmm. You know, oftentimes I think people get really complicated with their tests and it's just good, I think, to step back and realize that there are still simple things you can do. Um, once you sort of step back from your whole situation, um, simple tests you can run to get uh, serious lifts and conversion. So, yeah, I mean, I think that kind of speaks to, I mean, I think you brought up a couple of good things there. Um you know, one, I think taking a step back, you know, I'm surprised even in, you know, some with some of the big companies that I work for of, you know, how as, you know, many times as online marketers, we work pretty solo. Um, you know, even in big companies, we're usually on pretty small teams. Um, and, you know, as your company grows bigger, you usually gets more and more siloed. Yeah. Um and there's often the tendency to 
you know, you get wrapped up in looking at metrics yourself. You develop creative campaigns, maybe with designers, maybe you have your director of marketing sign off on it, you get IT's input, you know, but many times people don't go outside the realm of, you know, your office to kind of solicit feedback or, you know, in, in one of the cases, one of the companies that I work with, they have a usability department, but we as testing or, or even other parts of marketing don't ever talk to usability. So hmm. even the people that do talk with outside sources sometimes don't have that connection when we're developing up marketing campaigns or testing them. And I think, you know, sometimes if we were to kind of run our ideas by what I would call maybe the grandma or stepmother test and kind of get some feedback from someone that's maybe a little bit divorced from the process, we would kind of learn some things about how people evaluate a page and you know like in your case you know maybe it was the result of some meeting let's come up with eight great plans so we can you know market to everyone um and everyone thought that was a great idea because they know their product and they're so excited about it but if they would have shown that to their mom they would have gotten to the page and their heads would have exploded because they didn't know what to do you know even you know you and you could always use the excuse or they're not the ideal shopper. Right. Some principles still hold true, um, and I think sometimes removing ourselves would reveal that. But another principle I think that you kind of touched on as well, which which happens especially in pricing matrices, I think in landing page creation, and just website development in general, is we try to appeal to too many what-if scenarios. You know, like a, a, what happens a lot of times with these pricing matrices that get out of control is, you know, I've been in these company planning meetings and people will just throw out, well, this kind of company could use our service. Well, let's build a plan around them. And the, and the thinking around it is good. You know, we want to serve everyone. Well, in your effort to kind of serve and talk to everyone, it also overwhelms everyone. And maybe it's better to offer a more pared down service and maybe still have those plans in the background, but engage with them later on about that. Like get them yeah. into something, get them into a plan that makes sense to where they're not going to be overages like immediately and, you know, hitting red and getting a bunch of errors, but potentially qualifying your leads as they come in and getting them into the right offering, I think sometimes makes a little bit more sense than just, you know, a diarrhea yeah. on the page of all these plans i think oftentimes the opposite of what you just said happens too mm -hmm. um so you end up getting you know let's say just for example uh, a limit on the basic plan is five users mm -hmm. well let's just do another plan it's 10 and then 15 and then 20 and and with no rhyme or reason let's right. just have 20 plans that are just increments of whatever <laughs> i like five yeah exactly whatever we're using <laughs> uh -huh. so it makes no sense to have 20 plans because Really, you only have people who use the first plan mm -hmm. and, you know, maybe a plan that's somewhere in the middle and then the end plan. So let's drop all the other ones. Let's right. simplify the process. Mm -hmm. Let's simplify the billing and let's simplify the whole um, pitch so that people can more easily understand and get a grasp of what it is you're offering. Yeah, I mean, even from a, you know, kind of like a, you know, a cognitive load on the page, when I have all these options and like you said, that example of like five individual users per option you know, now I'm trying to like, not only think about what I have that I'm going to use now, but what about in the future? And then I go through all this back and forth. And then, you know, eventually, if I'm spending enough 
you know, hard drive space upstairs, you know, it could get to a point where I'm just like, well, I'll just think about this later. And I, yeah. I might go somewhere else where it's just a more simplified, you know, sometimes it's, it's better from a conversion standpoint to err on the side of giving too much away and having some margins to where it's not even like a thought that I need to think about. Maybe it's five and, you know, five users to, I don't know, 30 or something like that, where you're kind of removing the well, we got 10 employees now. I think I might hire some in the spring, but oh, what about summer? We kind of pared down some, but then in the fall, we're going to kick up. And, you know, getting too granular sometimes can cause people to try to do too much mental processing on the page. And, you know, while they might not drop out there, you've kind of had them expend a lot of effort. So if anywhere else in your conversion path is taxing, yeah, then they're more likely to drop out there because, you know, now I'm like, I'm like think of all this stuff as I'm just I'm just trying to sign up for something just to yeah. see what it's like or you know I want to give you monies just take my monies <laughs> why is this so complicated we actually did run a test on this as well which you had to pause this sort of variation partway through via other issues but we did test skipping the entire pricing matrix altogether and just going into the one basic plan that we want right. everyone to go into and you know, we can build this in the back end mm-hmm. in terms of we tier people as they use things and, and upgrade their monthly charges. Mm-hmm. And I mean, obviously, you need to inform customers sure. that you're doing this, but it, it removes that whole, you know, you were using the example of five users. You know, well, now people are thinking, OK, well, do I need five people to have access to this? You know, do I need Bob and Sally and, and mm-hmm. this department to have access? And well, maybe we can only have two people have, you know, right. you, they've completely lost the train of thought of just signing up. Like, I like this. Right. So let's I get them into. <laughs> right. So we tested one of the variations was skipping the entire pricing page mm-hmm. and just dumping straight into the sign up page for the basic plan. That was a, you know, I don't have the figures in front of me. It was a 300 and something percent increase in conversion. Mm-hmm. So just skipping that page entirely. Right. And, you know, obviously for some companies that's not going to work. But right. I think for a lot of these software as a service companies. Um, get them like bought into just, what you have yeah, to offer get first. Get them in the process yeah. um, and, and also, get them using and have them figure out that part later. Yeah. And I, I will also say, I feel like I'm getting kind of on a soapbox here, but don't give me a shit trial where like no features are yeah. available because that's just going to cause you in the long term to not have people as customers. You know, it's frustrating when we're trying to assess, you know, like for example, I work at, you know, a pretty big fortune company that spends a lot. And sometimes I get into these basic plans and trials because I'm trying to assess from an enterprise level, you know, do we want to take this on internally, which for us might be a six figure contract for the year or even higher. Um, and it's really hard for me to assess some of these companies when you jump into a free trial and it's just so anemic with so little features that I just can't properly assess. And I don't want to go through the time and contact you and try to yeah. sell you on why I need more features to try out before we sign this big deal with you to use your service. So, so well, you're going to do trials, do it right. Give well, me it, all the features. It, actually, in a similar vein, um, I was looking at something earlier today and I thought it was Refreshing not only, number one, that the trial was completely operational, so no mm-hmm. features lacking, right. but also number two, I didn't have to put my credit card in oh, to get yeah. the free trial. Yeah. Um, I haven't run a direct test. I mean, I will be with a partner in the future in terms of doing a free trial with or without credit card, and mm-hmm. how does that end up affecting billing and customer support later on in the process? Sure. But, wow, just as a customer, you fully expect a free trial to mean 
you don't get any features you're you know First extremely limited <laughs> right Social and security number and yeah we're going to be hitting you up with sales calls and emails also we need your credit card because right. we're going to hit you at that seven day <laughs> mark to the minute with that charge 1201 boom yeah <laughs> exactly gotcha so all right well we kind of beat that one but you know again i i think it's a a good kind of couple concepts to walk through and sometimes we need to return back to the basics as you pointed out maybe trim some things down you know maybe you were trying to in the effort again to like sell to everyone or to create so many options to either you know compete with our competitors or you know again like we're trying to show everyone that we have something for them that we lose out on people and maybe sometimes simple is better and maybe handling some of the more customization post-conversion is a better route. Um, but go ahead and give us a call. I know a lot of people struggle with pricing matrices and, and what should they kind of look at from a psychology standpoint, how they should actually price things, what should designs look like. Uh, give us a call and let us know what your struggles are or if you need help. Um, 904-270-9603 is our number. Um or call us and give us some good examples of what you feel like are some good pricing matrices out there. I mean, um, we've talked about Basecamp before and how we like their style. Um, there's tons of different um, companies out there that have some unique styles. Um, and maybe we'll kind of rehash some of those in a later episode. So give us a yeah. call. Shoot us an email. What are some good examples that uh, you've run across with pricing matrices? So as we're talking about testing um, and Rob throwing out and kind of bragging about how good he is at testing with his, no big uh, deal no big <laughs> deal big numbers but uh uh you know something i was talking to him about this week um as it kind of related to a a bloomberg and a couple other posts that i was reading kind of looking at um test data and statistics um is something that i noticed quite a lot in our field is one just poor understanding of statistics which causes a lot of people to look at causation, meaning that, you know, because something happened, they must be correlated. Um, now, when it comes to, like, politics and economics, you know, these are kind of tried and true principles of not necessarily causation is correlation. But we don't also look at that from a marketing standpoint, you know, as well. Um, and how we kind of assessed test results you know one of the blog posts i was reading was talking about you know reading into what a slight gain based on adding a divider to a page might have um caused like a three percent conversion lift or something like that um and i thought there was kind of a couple takeaways from that and one you know i even noticed with some of these large corporate posts, um, and even some, you know, high named individuals, you know, they never really mention a lot of times sample and sometimes, you know, a cause might've happened, whether that's a slight conversion gain or things like that. Um, but that doesn't necessarily mean something's correlated because you haven't really collected enough samples to really overcome, um, some of the randomness that can come into your results based on a lot of different factors in there. So, you know, sometimes we don't really look at effective sampling. We kind of trust our tools. Well, it says 95%, so we're good to go. But we haven't really run any sort of 
validation on our sample size to make sure right. that we've collected, you know, enough data from that standpoint. Um, but also, you know, what might be causing that, um, and we were talking about this earlier, sometimes what's causing that uh, conversion gain or effect on the test isn't really what you think it is. Right. So, yeah. you know, we were talking, you know, me and Rob personally about, you know, add to cart button tests, which we love talking about. And, you know, I think what gets lost a lot of times is, you know, most of the studies that I read are all about, well, this is a study about how red buttons are 20% better. Or, you know, I think a pretty famous one from a lot of sources is the orange button is the best. Um, Don't name names. Yeah, we have some. Yeah, it's kind of an inside <laughs> joke between me and Rob. But, um, you know, that we read these studies that kind of make these correlations between this color is best because we saw a 20% lift. But I think what gets lost in the details is I don't think necessarily that we can make these universal claims. I think a better kind of analysis of that test might be a red button worked well for us because it contrasts well with our theme. You know, most of our site elements are blue. So when people are kind of searching for the next step, well, our red button really works well for our site because it stands out. Um, And I think we kind of gloss over the fact of, you know, not necessarily making these universal. And we struggle with it, too, with some of the big companies that I work with. We'll run one test uh, and we'll see that a blue button wins or whatever it is. There's tons of different tests that kind of fall into that category. So we want to make these universal guide or brand guidelines or design guides. You know, but I'll do follow-up tests, and in different websites with different themes, that button performs terribly. And it's all because of the contrast and how it works well with the whole site holistically, not necessarily because this red button is the best. Um, So I think we got to be careful sometimes with data and making sure that what is causing our performance um, is not necessarily what our maybe working hypothesis is or our, our conclusions and maybe taking a step back. Exactly. I think I think you're right. And I mean, you covered a lot of points there, but I think, you know, a major thing that I see oftentimes is similar to your sort of red button example. Um, you know, they, they get a lift and, and this sort of segues into the next topic, which I'm not going to get to quite yet, but, you know, they get a lift for something and the actual root cause of it is not what um, is not actually what they end up thinking it is. Right. So in your red button example, they think, okay, it's a red button, but you know, like you said, it's the actual contrast, and this applies to so many different kinds of tests. Right. So with the pricing matrix test, you know, I talked about earlier, the takeaway could be for some people that, um, well, no one really wants the advanced plans, right? And that's that's why this mm-hmm. test did so exactly. much better. Mm-hmm. Well, it could also be, and this is probably why, because we made the te- the page so much simpler sure. and easier to see and understand, and we mm-hmm. gave much more emphasis to the plan that most people tend to use. So there are so many different ways you could interpret that one test, right. and those are just two easy examples. Yeah, I mean, even going back to button color, it might be that red worked well because you didn't change what font color you're using inside the button. So yeah. red works well because I can actually see what you're trying to have me do best because the 
font is contrasting well on the background. I mean, there's tons of different ways to interpret tests, and I think sometimes we need to uh, just think of things a little bit more smartly. Or, or, you know, when we're developing out tests, come up with a couple, spend some time on your hypothesis. What is it I'm trying to learn here? Um, and what are some potential outcomes um, that that could happen? Um, and I think sometimes we we kind of gloss over that. We're in a rush to test something. We have some good ideas. Right. Um, but we don't really think about how we're going to really be analyzing this data and making some conclusions from it. Right. The list of exceptions to, you know, the conclusion we're trying to draw. Right. And, and maybe even it's, you don't even need to go through that much. Maybe it's good enough to just say that, on this page, <laughs> right. this is this what worked what, better. And, mm-hmm. you know, we there's no conclusion necessarily that we have to draw from it except for this was a 10% lifting conversion. Let's, you know, move on. I mean, obviously, in a lot of examples, you want to get what I'll quote as learnings from, from a test. But you don't necessarily... Not in the dictionary, by the way. <laughs> right. As much as other people use it. You don't necessarily need to get some in-depth sort of valuable takeaway in terms of why did this mm-hmm. um, one headline work better than the other. I mean, you could probably spend days trying to come up with all the different reasons sure. and not ever really get to the real oh, yeah. uh, answer because there's no way to find that really out. Or, besides or craft doing... some, you know, you make something up that you yeah. you eventually convince yourself, that, well, that's what it is. Well, that's going to make me sound smart to the marketing director. <laughs> right. I'm going to say that. Well, and that's kind of another thing, you know, kind of along the ideas of test interpretation that I'll touch on for a second. Be careful about, you know, I am a, which my boss always gets me about segmentation and looking at data. I I really enjoy kind of pouring through test stats and kind of understanding why something might be occurring, who's reacting to it, what can we learn from it, and really understanding the profile kind of our customers and our visitors. But also be careful about how much you splice your data. <clears throat> what I've seen many people kind of run into the issue of is when you have the luxury of having a high amount of traffic and a test, and so you have a lot of data, um, there is an easy trap you fall into in crafting side stories that have significance and coming up with conclusions and chasing those for a long while where really, yes, they are statistically significant, but they're not significant findings. You know, the time that you are expending chasing those, the technology effort it's going to take to target those people. And really what you're doing is splicing level. You're essentially creating findings that aren't really meaningful. Right. But from a statistics standpoint, they are significant. Um, but really for your business and what you could be spending your time on and what else uh, you could really be focusing on is time better spent. So also be careful when you're interpreting data of kind of over analyzing and over splicing and kind of creating side stories and side findings that might be true and might be good to know maybe in future build outs or or other tests. Um, but sometimes it's a rabbit hole you can fall on, fall into and, uh, spin your wheels for a long time with no real material. Yeah. I think that's a good point that the difference between meaningful tests and statistically significant tests, um, there's a big difference there. Oh yeah. Um, 
this sort of segues a little bit into, uh, I guess, our final topic for tonight. Um, so, uh, you know, I was searching the interwebs, you know, looking at on the internet marketing blogs, came across one where they're talking about uh, a pretty simple and straightforward experiment. So it's a sign-up form, three fields, uh, a button to I accept the terms and conditions, and a sign-up button. Okay. So the basic one is that. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a baseline conversion right there. And then so the test was let's add in a little phrase about your privacy, how much we respect it. So just to kind of back up. So this is a form that has a opt-in at the end of it? Yes. Okay. So this is like a forced, you have to click yes to I accept the terms and conditions. Okay. Yeah, gotcha. that sort of thing. So this is like the classic, let's add the line in there about how much we respect your privacy, okay. which, you know, everyone has and no one really believes. <laughs> Sure. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, they tested a few different variations. And so the winning one ended up getting a 19.47% increase in signups. And the losing variation actually ended up with an 18.7% decrease in signups. Okay. So the difference between the two um, is pretty minimal in terms of... Before we go into that, I love asking us, what was the sample size on this? Actually, I don't... He has it in here. I don't... Yeah, he actually has a little chart that, uh, you know, plots out, actually, the test performance. Seems like it's pretty different. I mean, the confidence level was 96% for both. Okay. Um, actually, yeah, same size. Yeah, t- ran it for over 10 days for a couple of these, you know, 20,000 ex-visitors. Like, so not just like a little right. chump change test. Right. So actually, I mean, valid, I would assume. Um Okay, so uh, one variation, 19.4% gain. The other one was 18 decrease of right. control. Right, so that was the, the end takeaway is like here's, here's one treatment that this was our greatest increase. Here's another treatment. This was our greatest decrease. And what are, okay. what are the differences between the two and, and what are the learnings? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Again, there's that Air word that, we can, that we can take away from this test. So the winning one, this is the phrase that they included right above the sign-up button. And this okay. was, we guarantee 100% privacy. Okay. Your information will not be shared. So is this just straight text this as is just, it looks like everywhere else on the form? Yeah, this okay. is actually so uh, no, like italicized. Or like no, that. no, this okay. is just text. I mean, same, you know, everything. Okay. Um, so that was the one that led to a 19.47% increase in conversion, okay. including that, that, that phrase. We guarantee 100% privacy. Your okay. information will not be shared. So keyword there, I think, is just simply guarantee. Okay, right. The eight, right, the eighteen point seven percent decrease in signups uh, used this copy one hundred percent privacy hyphen we will never spam you exclamation point. So yeah, use a good way with words. So used a few <laughs> right. So use the one hundred percent a number in there I guess to right. sort of I don't know make people feel good about it. And use the word trigger word spam. Right, right. <laughs> use the word privacy again like the other one. I think the the key difference between the two of these are simply. Um, one used the word spam, the other used the word guarantee. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the key takeaway, which is not, you know, the conclusion drawn from the person who ran this test and the person who wrote the blog post, Mm -hmm. their conclusion was along the lines of, um, my research points to the fact, let me just quote here. My research points to the fact that a credible, clear policy with a guarantee effectively assures prospects that it's safe to fill out the form. And in bold uh, on another spot on the page, a privacy policy can lead to a serious lift in conversion. So did he I, have any metrics on privacy policy visits? Well, I mean, it's actually a, I agree to a, a terms and conditions uh, thing, which is above it. I don't think this is actually 
number one, this isn't an actually a privacy policy. I mean, right. you just misuse the term. But is there an actual link in that copy that no, one? No, there isn't. So, in fact, right. I don't even know what the term we guarantee 100% privacy even really means. Yeah. Um, but that's an interesting but, conclusion. But right, so yes. I think I can I think the conclusion sort of missed the point. And this sort of right. talks to, you know, what we were talking about before in terms of yes, you ran a test that's valid and you did get a lift. Mhm. The learnings you try to take away from it, though, I think are missing the mark. Oh, yeah. And I think really the key here, and, and this is sort of the point of the last topic we're going to talk about here, is um, being cognizant of the words you're using in your copy, your headlines, mm-hmm. your ads, um, and the triggers that they can have. Mm-hmm. So I think really the detriment for the 18.7% fewer signups was just using the word spam. Right. Now you got me thinking. I wasn't even exactly. thinking about that. Exactly. So I'm not even really reading your 100% private. You're like, I'm not even really reading that. I'm just saying spam you right. is, is the key word, the key phrase that I'm sort of locking right. in on. And yeah, you're right. I'm, I may not even been thinking about that. But now all of a sudden I'm thinking about, well, wait a minute. Why are you telling me this? Why, Why yeah. do you bring this up? Exactly. It's like the used car salesman like reminding me yeah. of like the the junky warranty that it comes with. Right. Well, wait a minute, you wait a minute. This thing's going to break three down. Days. <laughs> yeah. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Why is it yeah. just three days? You, yeah, you're like you're bringing up something that I wasn't even considering or mm-hmm. you're trying to quell a concern that I didn't even have. Right. And the other one, just I think simply using the term guarantee right. um, is enough to lift conversion. Yeah, in that I mean, even example. for someone that's just like skimming along, they see that, okay, boom. You know, but kind of i I really struggle with these tests just in general i mean i I think you point out some really good facts um you know of let's take a step back and what can we actually extrapolate from this test you know i don't think it's necessarily that the privacy policy is what you should spend your time on but being careful on how you craft your messaging and that words really do have an impact on your page um, even when you're talking about it in a positive light. So, you know, in, in his example, we're talking about we are anti-spam, you know, and uh, that we respect your privacy. But still, those words, regardless of the light, kind of get us thinking down a path where we all hate spam in our inbox. <laughs> we hate those Dr. Oz emails and Cyberry yeah. and, you know, all those types of things. So even though you're trying to do a positive reinforcement of a good message uh, it can still have negative um results but you know what where i struggle with these these privacy policy tests and these trust indicators you know i'm even guilty of running the classic norton and hacker safe yeah tests you know and one thing that i feel like these individuals kind of miss the mark on as well you know what Sometimes when I look at these tests, one of the takeaways that I have is what in your process is causing a distrust or um, a lack of trust to be present to where this really pulls up the test. You know, one of the takeaways I have when, you know, I run tests, you know, in a cart or in a lead generation path where adding a VeriSign logo or a Norton sign provides a big lift to the page. Well, where where is the breakdown in communication to where my design, my messaging um, is to the point where maybe you're mistrusting it? Um, or, you know, throughout my checkout process, 
to where you feel like you're not safe giving your information. Yeah. Like, ha- have I not done a good enough job of offering something to you that you are so excited about that those types of things don't stand in the way? You know, like some of the takeaways I have is, well, maybe this white paper I'm trying to deliver or this product or how I'm selling it just isn't exciting enough. And these small things that are that are really kind of petty in this day and age, in my opinion, of e transactions whether that's information leads um, or buying a product you know adding these types of things really aren't that big of a deal at this point i mean we are we're always going to have skeptical people and people that are paranoid but what is it about my process where those are even big contributing factor points those should really be like nice to haves maybe a little bit of a conversion lift if i'm lifting it that much i think there's some other bigger issues that are going on that's causing that to even matter yeah exactly i just wanted to be clear on this blog post further down they do talk about the word spam and and being careful in in terms Mm -hmm. of using it so i just wanted to be fair to them and and mention that but um to your point where you're talking about norton uh you know privacy and all those seals and things like that i I think you have a good point I, i think that those things can have a conversion lift regardless of um, sure. how great your site really is, mm-hmm. but it's going to be so minor. I, I feel like the, the issue is, you know, you have a 20% lift from including a trust indicator. Well, wait a minute. Like you said, what is wrong with my process where it's such a huge lift that obviously people are distrusting something about my site, my messaging, something is off to where just including the little Norton seal is giving me an X percent or XX percent increase in mm-hmm. conversion. There's obviously something wrong in the process. And that is a, if, if you get a lift like that, um, I think you have much more to gain by analyzing what else is wrong with your right. process exactly. and fixing that. You know, that's a nice thing to kind of file away, but it's almost a result you don't want. Yeah. Like if I'm seeing that much of a lift from something so small and, and meaningful and just trying to, show people I'm legitimate, then what is causing people to at least question that legitimacy in the first place? Or, you know, again, like looking at my offer, what am I trying to give people and how am I presenting that to where they're not falling over themselves to to potentially convert or um, give information or, or buy my product? So again, that's the goal of our podcast really and to trying to kind of disseminate what we've learned a lot uh, over the years and trying to get, you know, this is a newer industry for a lot of people and trying to get them to think a little bit more deeply about these, you know, all these benchmarks that we come across and when you're running tests or you're developing all these. At the ripe old age of 27, I have grays growing in my beard. No, I don't. But (laughs) we've been around. Yeah, we've been around for so long. We've been Uh, around since since the early days. Yeah. So, uh, I mean... We've been around since like highlighting on web pages was a cool thing to do. So uh, that should give me some kind of idea. Um, and blinking uh, elements. Blinking you remember text. that? Oh, yeah. That was remember the... the first time you figured out how to do that? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So anyways, you know, that's really our goal is to kind of help um, strengthen, you know, how we can, can we deeply analyze and get to the heart of what we need to be doing as online marketers to uh, really stand out in our companies um, and again, provide the best processes for our visitors. So give us a call, 904-270-9603. Let us know where, where you're struggling with, what topics you like to, us to talk about. I mean, between Rob and I, we have a 
uh, a smattering of experiences in different verticals. Um, and really most things online as it relates to marketing, we touch in one aspect or another. Um, so let us know where you struggle with. What what are some experiences you're interested in hearing about? Um, maybe one some of our biggest mess-ups. Maybe we'll talk about that in an upcoming pocket. We'll I don't, have I don't, some good ones. I don't do those. I don't, do those. <laughs> I don't mess up. Um, but anyways, give us a call 904-270-9603. Let us know your thoughts. Um, this is Corey and Rob. This has been episode number seven of the Bearded Marketers. And until next time, one stay safe.